When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Gonna let it go deep for Diggs! He's got it! Safar Diggs! Touchdown! A bomb from Cousins to Diggs! Cousins gonna throw a fade in the end zone to Diggs! We are tied! Hey, Collar, Collar's with us here. 1500ESPN.com, Purple Podcast. He just had a conversation with, is that posted today, Jeremiah Cyril's? Yes. And Sage Rosenfels is a regular on the Purple Podcast. Give us the number you just gave us during the break about Kirk Cousins throwing to Diggs and Rudolph so far. He has a quarterback rating over 140 when he targets Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph so far. Now, you would think that that would be like, oh, well, that's going to come back to earth. And it probably will a little bit. But last year it was 120 for Case Keenum when he was targeting Stephon Diggs too, and it's almost like Diggs is good. Yeah, yes, it's, de- it's definitely passes. like Stephon Diggs is good. And Adam Thielen is 114 quarterback rating when he's throwing it their way. I mean, I think that what we've seen in these first two weeks is exactly what we thought we would see. That when Kirk Cousins has two great wide receivers, as he did in 2016 with Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson. And you see how good Deshaun Jackson still is making Ryan Fitzpatrick look great. That Cousins' play can be elevated. And that's what we saw on Sunday against the Packers, where no surprise, I mean, that slant route that Stephon Diggs does on the two point conversion is just madness, just witchcraft. Like, I don't know how anyone could ever stop that. And it's a perfect throw that Kirk Cousins can make all day. But, I mean, he's wide open on that route. And when you're condensed in that, small of an area. It's very difficult to get as open as Stephon Diggs did. There are so many examples on a week-to-week basis that he could go for 75, he could go for three. There was a third down play where they just threw a screen to Stephon Diggs and he grinded forward for a couple yards to set up what would have been a game-winning field goal. I don't know what happened after that, but just as I was watching the tape, a couple of those things really stood out to me. And also combined with, I've been very impressed with John Filippo in these first two weeks that his play calling, especially on a couple of key third and shorts, was really good. What changed uh, when you went back and watched the film from the first half to essentially the second half, but really I'm thinking more in the fourth quarter where they had 22 points on Sunday? I thought they protected the quarterback in the second half, and I also thought the key was they stopped running. 
I mean, the, in the first half, runs were just killing their drives in, in large part because when they were set up on third and short, I think they converted every single third down that was under third and five. But when they were set up in third and long, clearly that's a lot harder to convert. And that happened quite a few times in the run game. And it, there was a play that I was watching this morning where Delvin Cook just has no chance whatsoever. I mean, Kenny Clark blows up Brett Jones, who needs to get out of starting. I mean, he's a hang on for dear life for a game or two. A bad offensive is, line got rid of him he's, in yeah, New York. He's not so. anywhere close to the stratosphere of Pat Elfline. Can he play left guard I don't, when Elfline comes back? Are you saying that that's not a possibility? Now? I think Tom Compton might be staying. I, mm. I think Compton has been better than him in the first two games, and he is probably going to stick there. Kenny Clark just mauled Brett Jones on Sunday, and that hurt them in their run game. The Packers linebackers were able to find gaps and, and get to Delvin Cook, and there was not a whole lot that Cook could do. Now this week, almost anybody could be playing offensive line for this team, and I think Delvin Cook gets 100 yards rushing against the Bills. But if you're going to beat the Rams and you're going to beat the Eagles, you got to have Elfline back, and I think you're going to have to run the ball a little bit better. So when they stopped doing that because they were down in the game, they were able to move the ball so much more yeah. effectively. So, so okay, this tell me if this is a hot take, and I and, and I love your your expertise on this. I think establishing the run has become a cliche in the NFL. It's not that running the ball is irrelevant. Certainly, in the second half, when you have a lead, you want the clock to move, and you don't want to risk incomplete passes. And so, just handing the ball to someone and making sure clock moves and yardage is gained. And if you can impose your will on a defense by pushing them forward and just running mm-hmm. the ball, that's the most efficient way to gain yardage uh, just from a physical perspective, right? But if you have a game where you're not able to do those things and you have a running back like Dalvin Cook who can line up in the slot and just get mismatches on linebackers and you can gain yards with your running back in that way mm-hmm. and it's short passes that, are, that aren't... The, the, some of those passes are, what, 70%, 80%... If you, if you were to throw that route and that pass to Dalvin Cook, he's not going to drop it. Yeah. Uh, there's you know, It's a quick release. So to, to, I guess my long-winded question is, to what degree is establishing the run an overrated concept in the NFL? It is, but it's sort of morphed. Like back in the day, it was like, all right, early in the game, we're going to show them who's boss. We're going to slam it up the middle with our friend Christian Okoye. And with not, huge shoulder pads. Not yes. going to like that. Lorenzo and Neal. Ne- those neck know? collars that running backs used to wear. Yes, right? Those big yes. white, like, remember those, those things? things? Yeah. Those like the fullbacks always had this. The Steelers Campbell. are going to give it to the bus. Yeah. They're going <laughs> to hand right. it off to like, Jerome right. Bettis. And right. tearaway <laughs> jerseys. Come on. Those things were fantastic. That's you had guys like Craig Ironhead, Hayward, <laughs> oh, and the bus, Jerome Bettis. Uh, so that is not a thing anymore, I don't think, to any degree. But I would say this. And Night this, train lane. The, yes. The San Francisco 49ers showed us how effective this can be. When you can show the same exact look two or three different times and have two or three different plays, and one of them is a play-action big shot down the field, and one of them is a handoff to Todd Gurley or a handoff to Delvin Cook, that's how the run game is being used to set up the pass these days is that if you completely went away from the run game, then your play action isn't going to draw in the linebackers, isn't going to cause any sort of confusion on a different look. So there are times where the Vikings succeed on two third and shorts where the Packers fully believe that they're running the ball, that they have a couple of tight ends in and uh, Kyle Rudolph makes it look like he's going to block and then he sneaks out and he's wide open. One of them is for a big gain 
that probably doesn't happen if you're not running the ball at all against them and you're just putting in four wide receivers or something like that. So giving them different looks, lining up with three tight ends, it requires you to show them that you're going to run the ball. And especially when you have Cook, they're scared of Cook. He's very, very good. And you can run the ball effectively with someone that talented. And especially when you get toward, when you get a lead toward the second half and the end of the game, if you can run the ball, you could just kill the clock and make it very difficult for the other team to come back. So there still is a place for running. But when we're talking about how to get Delvin Cook the ball, it's got to be, like we saw, lined up at wide receiver. And I wouldn't be terribly surprised if we see a lot of Latavius Murray's in the backfield Delvin Cook is at wide receiver, and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, too. By the way, Manny, uh, Night Train Lane played defense, so I was, I was wrong on that one. <laughs> Night Train Lane played defense. but um, how, how much longer are we going to have to watch Mackenzie Alexander try and play nickel corner? <laughs> try to play football? It's, it's, just, it's just, he was not good again on Sunday. Well, Mike Zimmer called him out twice. He called him out once after the game and said that he benched him, and then he called him out again yesterday and said we couldn't stop looking in the backfield. And that is definitely a thing you're not supposed to do is be staring in the backfield as a nickel corner. You're supposed to have your guy. Um, and he did not. And Jimmy Graham just ran to open spaces. And if it was old Jimmy Graham, he might have gotten even more yards that's, than that. That's the other part. It was like Jimmy Graham's not even that good anymore. No, did, did, did he? No, did not. he tear five ACLs? Like what? What? What happened to Jimmy Graham? I think he's just old. Yeah, just but he's not old. that old, right? He's 31? 31, 32, I think. Where like tear? Maybe some miles on the body. I mean, you can still catch the ball when you throw it at him. But even last year with Seattle, he wasn't really super And McKenzie got beat twice, correct? But there was one where he's not even looking at Jimmy Graham at all. It was like Jimmy Graham was a ghost. And and that's where he got benched. Yeah, and that's when he got benched. Uh, To Manny, to your question, I think that we will see a lot more Mike Hughes. I wouldn't be shocked if Mike Hughes is the starter. But this puts him in a little bit of an awkward situation now with Terrence Newman being the nickel corner coach and not an NFL player. Because in other situations, you would have been able to have Terrence Newman be that solidifying factor like he was last year when McKenzie lost the job. And now it's one guy who's starting to prove he's just not that good and another guy who you really don't know because that's a hard position for a rookie. I'd like to go to an appreciation of this sport right now and one play in particular. Okay. Football. Football. The, the what proved to be after the two-point conversion, the game-tying catch by Thielen for, for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing where he said he has practiced, he's basically practiced trying to deke defenders by putting his hands out and low at the last second so they can't judge that the ball is actually going to be descending towards those towards those hands to catch the ball. How savvy and good a play is that by a guy who... Um, who a few years back you would have said he's really good, but I mean this is this is now getting to next level appreciation of football to me. Yeah. To say that Thielen or Diggs is just good would be like a massive understatement. I mean, if the, either one of these guys was the only receiver on their team, and then there was just a bunch of average players, they'd each get a hundred catches, mm-hmm. or they right. I mean, if the, the you, fantasy if numbers put, should be higher, right? Yeah. If you put Diggs on the Jaguars and they don't really have any good wide receivers, yeah. then he would have a hundred catches. DeAndre right? Hopkins gets targeted 180 times per season. So therefore he has higher counting numbers. It's amazing the level of detail. And then the fact that I think they push each other. So it's like, okay, you're, you're good. I'm good. And we work together. We don't compete against each other. The fact that this team has been so successful really plays into these two guys getting better and better 
because there is no ego with these two. There that's is the no. Weird, that's the weird thing. Catches. It's yeah. To see but two guys like this no, not, not be selfish at all. But 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 I think it comes for them. Some of it just comes from okay. Adam Thielen played Division two football in Southern Minnesota. Yeah. and was undrafted and practice squatted. Sure. Right. And and Stefan Diggs was Stefan Diggs was higher profile and went to Maryland, but was a fifth round pick. Injuries. So there's if you come in under the radar like that, I think it's hard to wind up being Odell Beckham Jr. on a boat with your shirt off on yeah. Instagram, right? Yeah, because- maybe. I I think it goes to part of where they come from. I mean, Diggs uh, lost his dad when he was 12 years old and always made it his life goal to provide for his family because he kind of became the adult of the house at an extremely young age. So I think that sort of has played into it. And then he gets the money, but now it's about the Super Bowl. Now it's about this is a team where if these two perform and play unselfishly, and that really has been the attitude under Mike Zimmer of a lot of players, and if you didn't have it, you're just not there anymore. I mean, Cordero Patterson, for as much as Judd and I liked that they would throw screens to him and he could break one for a big game, he was kind of a me-first type of player who wears socks with his own picture on them. Oh, he definitely was, right? yes. Yeah, and, yeah he was and, selfish. And, and I think if you're that way, that Mike Zimmer is not going to keep you around, I mean, even if you do have some talent like Cordero Patterson did. So yeah. it's an attitude that's pervasive through a locker room that they both grew up in. They both came here as starters under, or as uh, not starters under Zimmer. I believe Stefan Diggs was not active until his fourth game of his career. So they kind of had to go about it like one step at a time to get here. And now when you go 13 and three and then you pay 84 million for a quarterback, it's like, who could be selfish or trying to win? But yeah. that deke was incredible. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, to keep I, your hands you know that what? low and have the ball because that that essentially went by two Packers players. At, at this point, deflected. he does things that just make no sense, and they both do. I mean, when you look at the divisional game against New Orleans and in a play where he literally breaks his back. I mean, yeah. he injured. I think he broke some vertebrae or something in his back on the play where he went up and caught a pass. Marshawn Lattimore undercut him, and he held on to it all the way down. Mm-hmm. It's not just these guys route running. It's also their toughness. It's also that they lay blocks, that they're competitive, and both of them have incredible hands. They drop almost nothing. It, it, it's really something to watch on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, uh, I have a list, gentlemen. This is a sports book here. I believe it's uh, is it yeah, betonlineag.com okay. of coaches who are most likely to be fired. <laughs> I'm going to allow you guys to try and guess the top five right. here. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. We have a crash. 35W southbound slowing things down by four minutes near uh, Ramsey County Road I in Moundsview. So if you're in that area, be on the lookout for that. Also, 94 eastbound, a crash in Minneapolis, Hennepin and 3rd Avenue. Uh, slowing things down by a few minutes there. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Thank you, Manny. All right, Matthew Collard's in here for the Mackey and Judd Football Hour. And in just a minute... 
going to put you guys to the test and see just how much you know your NFL coach hot seats. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm ready. But our guy Chancey's been on hold here. 651-646-8255. Chancey, what's going on, man? Chancey and Fargo. Hey, thanks, guys, for taking my call. I got I got two ideas here for you, and they'll fit right in with the football hour. But uh, So here, here's one. So you know how Judd did the uh, three-point challenge, the Houston Rockets challenge, and I, I know there's been a couple other challenges. I, I got another idea for you, football-related. Maybe do this at State Fair. So you, so you line up Judd, and then you put Laquan Treadwell there. And, and, then, and then you bring in another great, all-time great Vikings wideout, Troy Williamson. Yep. And uh, you have somebody, you know, just lob over 10 passes to each, and we'll have a catch-off and see who can uh, catch the most balls out of 10. I mean, maybe even preferably somebody with, you know, they'll, they'll really lob them in. Christian Ponder, maybe if he could show up and kind of just soft pass them over. But, uh, well, Ponder, would, Ponder would tuck and run if the first read wasn't there, so <laughs> the other guy wouldn't run it all around the midway. <laughs> right, that's true. I guess it wouldn't work that good if the ball doesn't actually come to the receivers. But uh, <laughs> I, I could see some real entertainment value there. You know, Williamson versus Judd versus, versus Treadwell. Catch off. That's the beauty uh, because, you know, Williamson probably still has some straight-line speed, and even if he, he torches... there first. Right. Yeah, if he, he would tor- get there first, He dropped them yes. off, though. Yeah, you're, but you're fine. Yeah. You could stand at the line of scrimmage and just watch him run down Laquan and Laquan would it. beat me. I would beat Troy. No, Laquan would run the wrong way, and you'd be standing there and just catch the ball. <laughs> Laquan, yeah. you're going... At, don't, don't go <laughs> so that that's way. That's the thing. That's, Judd, this is the challenge... Go Judd, this is the challenge you would actually have a success in because you would probably be the only one who actually caught the football. Because yeah. <laughs> that'd be yeah, the right I, place to catch it? Yeah. You, you you go to Vegas for the odds on that one, and Judd, uh, you might be odds-on favorite. And, uh, who can say you could beat two professional athletes uh, at something? My self-esteem is going yeah, sky-high, Chancey. I appreciate it. In this pros versus Joe, I'm taking Joe. Uh, <laughs> your, your point, though, in your joke is that Laquan Treadwell... I mean, so far has been a complete disaster. And all those things, that, I mean, Judd has warned us a million times in training camp, don't do it, don't write that don't feature, do yeah. not go there, don't buy it. Don't and, buy you in. know, we heard over and over again from Kirk Cousins and everybody else who was talking, oh, man, Treadwell, he's just really getting it now. It's like, guys, I told Courtney, don't write the Treadwell piece, but she did it anyway. Year yeah. one to year two, okay, fine. We'll believe it because you see that a lot. Year two to year three, very unlikely. And so far, he has caught four balls out of nine and dropped four. And run how many wrong routes? At, at least one in San Francisco for sure, and I'm pretty sure there was another one yesterday. I mean, the route that he ran to catch the touchdown, something happened with the Packers' safety. I'm not sure what. Like He seemed to break the wrong way, so maybe he had thought it was a certain kind of route, but it wasn't. Sniper got him. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was very strange. He just sort of disappeared from the play. Um, and Treadwell did a good job there, but aside from that, it's been mostly disastrous and i think they have to find ways to use more two tight ends more two running backs uh anything to kind of limit him i think they miss jerry's right honestly do they they yeah i mean that was jerry's right had gas in the tank and he's in he's in his prime as a good solid number three so the guy they brought in who's been with four different teams including washington in 2013 san francisco for he didn't really play last year what do we know about this is he gonna is he gonna suit up and be their number three receiver right out of the gate i don't know that someone could be able to do that, uh, to take on a big role in one week and be able to figure out what's going on in an offense. I mean, so it's guys, Treadwell again then, because Stacey Coley's out. He's, they yeah. just cut him. Yep, it's going to have to be. But it's Buffalo. 
Um, but That's true. But I, the, the, play them all. Play them all in the second half. It's Buffalo. He can I, play a lot. I think what they can do with Aldrick Robinson is have a couple of plays that he can work into that they sort of prepare for in practice, and he knows exactly what he's supposed to do, and they can get him on the field. But aside from that, I think it's a really tall task. He's very quick. That's about all I can give you. <laughs> so is Troy. I mean, he's. He's fast. Uh, he hasn't really done a whole lot in his career, and I don't see him as being like, oh, yeah, they found their number three who had no team by week three. Right? You know what, like, though? The advantage of him, unlikely. if his main attribute is speed, if you can just run him as fast as he wants to run down the sidelines and it just removes the possibility of him dropping a point-blank slant route <laughs> into the arms of a safety, yeah. I think it'll... It, it, just take a defender down about 40 yards and clear some room for digs to run underneath. Yeah, and there's, I mean, I would even at this point leave the door open because they have to create a roster spot for Tom Johnson. They can't make it official until they create the spot. So they've agreed to a deal with him, but then now what are they going to do? And there's some options toward the bottom of the roster. Tashawn Bauer was really good in preseason, but he was inactive again. He spent most of his career inactive, and there might just not be that much there. Uh, Rock Thomas made the team, sort of slid into the very last spot to make the team because they like his potential, but they have Mike Boone as well, so they could move on from him there. Or even it could be Marcus Sherrills if they... Decide that they can kind of handle those oh, other no. spots. Uh-uh, it's it pro- not going to be Marcus. Probably don't, not. Don't probably go. I, not. How many times do I have to tell you never go there anymore? I know. I know. I went there for three years straight, <laughs> and I have given up. I know. But so those are some of the options. The other one is if you could get a seventh conditional seventh round pick for somebody to take Treadwell, and if you're the Arizona Cardinals, just for don't example, look at the film from Sunday. The Arizona Cardinals brought in Kendall Wright to work out, so that shows you where they are with their wide receivers right. at this moment. Maybe they would take a seventh, or you have to give them something. You have to give them a sixth. or I mean, I don't know. That that would be the only option. But aside from that, the guy knows the offense and laid a good block on a play yesterday. We're not, not, asking for, not asking for much. All right, gentlemen. According to betonlineag.com, they've released odds of head coaches being fired in the NFL. There are two odds on favorites, and then there's a group tied for third. So the total list that I'm looking at is eight. I've got the whole list, but these are the okay. eight eight most likely coaches to be fired the quickest yeah. this season All with right. two clear-cut favorites. Fire away. Doug Manning, McDermott has to be a clear-cut favorite, right? He's guys? number one, yeah. I will go uh, William O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is on this list of eight, yes. That's two. Okay. Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson is the second most likely at five-to-one odds. Sean McDermott was four to one odds, and after so. seeing on Hard Knocks, we know exactly why. He's a good offensive coordinator, probably, and that's it. Yeah. You okay, three so, out of eight so far. So we've got three out of eight. Is Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin is tenth on this list. Okay. Mm. Actually, okay. believe it or not, John Gruden is mid pack. How? No. No. There's no he way signed a that, there's no contract. way he gets fired. I was going to say no. He got the a only Jimbo one that looks Fisher off. contract. Um, He's not going to get fired. Yeah. How about Pete Carroll? Mm. Pete Carroll is uh, is just behind Mike Tomlin. Okay. He's inching closer. Okay. To the I'm going to give you guys a guy who sh- who should already be high on this list, but he might not because he just got hired. Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia is the fifth most likely coach to get fired. Okay. Jason, he's a train wreck. Jason Garrett. Oh he, yeah, he's right next to Mike Tomlin. Out, he's tenth. Really? Or eleventh? Okay. I'm with you on that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Man. Um, Jets. 
Uh, no. Todd Bowles? Todd Bowles is, is ninth. Todd Bowles is ninth. Really? You guys are okay. inching your wow. way closer here. All right. I would have said Dirk Cotter before the season, but he's 2-0. He's, he's on the list. Because keep in mind, those 2-0 starts could easily go haywire. Oh, sure, yeah. And that makes it look worse if it does. Yeah. Is Ron Rivera on the list? Nope. Riverboat Ron is, is mid-pack. How about okay. Adam Gase? That's a good Adam one. Gaze is also mid-pack. Really? Yep. I, yeah. I'll, give, I'll, I'll give you the other ones here. All right. Jay Gruden. Uh, Jay Gruden okay. is on oh, okay. the list. Yep. <laughs> uh, Steve Wilkes and Vance Joseph. Oh, didn't Wilkes just get the job? Yeah, he just got the job, too, just like Patricia. But they're, they're going to be awful, too. Yeah. I could see Denver is a really interesting one to watch because Denver could just as easily be 0-2 as they are 2-0. Because, of course, Keenum just wins. They got the as, gunslinger. As I always said. And Vance Joseph is in, what, year two? <laughs> Yes, yeah, because they, yeah. they were going to fire yeah. him at the end of year one, and then L.A. reversed course on him. I, I was watching the end of that. I watched the Broncos game on. I went home, watched Red Zone, and t- caught the end. And Case Keenum had such a classic pressure in his face, throw it across the field to his left, and receiver nowhere in sight. Defender dives for the interception, but miraculously doesn't intercept it because it's Case Keenum. He's got the horseshoe back. God, He found the horseshue. They they. Send it to him from the TCO Performance yeah. Center Performance yeah. that Kyler likes so much. Yeah, he has had some picks. Delivery from Mr. Keenum. Pretty rough. What's this, kid? It's your horseshoe, Mr. Keenum. Oh, good. I've been looking for this thing. Wow. Because without, that, it, that I, the conversation without it, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really lucky Dude, quarterback. He, he also had one of those classic where he, he dives for a first down and eight guys fall on his head and he's like cross-eyed but signaling first down, you know. I mean, Case Keenum is not afraid to take a John Elway helicopter trip around for a meaningless week two first down in the second quarter. When I went back and really looked when they were trying to make this decision, really looked close at Case Keenum's season, the thing I came away with was he did do a lot of things that helped you get closer to winning. Like He isn't in Kirk Cousins' stratosphere for throwing the football, and I think you guys have seen that in the first two weeks, that Cousins can make some real throws. But when you're good on third and short, when you're good in the red zone, when you can run and gain 20 yards when they don't expect you're going to gain 20 yards, when you can make plays off script, that's something that Ke- that Cousins doesn't do well, that Keenum does a lot of. Yep. And those things, I think, win you a lot of games if you're on a halfway decent team. Case Keenum really was saddled with some bad teams to start his career. So the early part of his career, he was with Jeff Fisher. I mean, that's just a death sentence. So, I, I mean, I think that, uh, we, you know, he probably is much closer to the quarterback we're going to see this year, where it's not a perfect situation, but he's got some playmakers. That Philip Lindsay kid, the running back, looks really good. So you've got a couple of playmakers around him, maybe a halfway decent offensive line, a defense that'll keep him in games. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they win 10 games in Denver and, and they're in the playoffs yeah. because he can do some of those things that make up for the bad throws. Yes. All right, you have to go do radio interview things right now. So we'll say goodbye to Matthew Collar. But you can say hello to his content on 1500ESPN.com. Tom Johnson's back. The Purple Podcast. Uh, <laughs> this segment of Mackie and Judd was powered by Mr. Money Talk. Uh, Josh Arnold will wrap with Royce in about 10 or 15 minutes. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Cousins firing complete touchdown. Laquan Treadwell. Yep. 
Okay, are, is it a question for you guys? Did we overreact to Laquan Treadwell's drops after the touchdown reception? Because he ran a good route on the touchdown reception. Like I, the, and I understand why there's frustration. He's a first round pick, and it's year three, and he's dropping big passes at Lambeau Field and costing the Vikings a game and interceptions and things like that. But is it possible that he has made progress? That touchdown was a sign of progress. And the drops were just sort of a bump in the road, or no? Are you done with him? No. I'm I'm done with him. I'm okay. done. I'm done because this is not a team. This is not. I, I'm done with him too. This is not. <laughs> this is not we'll an experimental right <laughs> experimental team where you're like, okay, you know, if we could just develop him, and then he does this, and next week he shows. This, when you are expected to be as good as this team, you need everybody on point. And plus, Troy Williamson, he caught a touchdown or two, didn't he? Of course he did, yeah, yeah. And he I mean, also had the ball I mean, deflect off his it, face mask in Denver. It's just there's there's just there's just nothing there. There's just nothing there. He, he's not he's not fast. He doesn't get separation. When you do throw it to him now, I mean, it's not a given that he's going to catch it. I mean, the, the the standard for this team now with with Diggs and Thielen has been set so high that if if you're if you're dropping passes, you have there, there's no use for you. Among, there's no use for you among the guys that that. We don't talk about that much, but they they really do miss and are going to miss. Jarius, Jarius Wright, Wright is way up there. Because yep. Jarius Wright, they never really liked him, and I really don't know exactly why, but when they did give him a chance, he caught passes. Why not yeah. Chad Beebe, for instance? So, And I'm overreacting to a really good preseason. Or Zilstra. But, or, or, or Brandon Zilstra, mm-hmm. sure. I'm looking around at some of these, the way that rosters are crafted right now, and and the Patriots have Tom Brady, so they could put four heads of lettuce out there, and he would find a way to complete 20 passes. But (laughs) the Patriots every year have five guys you've never heard of or a Chris Hogan from a different organization that comes in and thrives, and and a lot of that's a product of Tom Brady, but... Uh, but Cole Beasley is out there as a huge target for Dallas. You don't you don't need big six foot two box out type players. If you can catch in your Cole Beasley size, I'd rather have you out there than the the idea of Laquan Treadwell at this point. My my thing with Treadwell too. Remember all the catch radius stuff we were hearing. Oh yeah, well, and, but he still Laquantosaurus Rex. To this to this <laughs> day though. What's incredible is to this day post practice he still goes and catches balls from the jugs machine constantly. And it doesn't help. But the fact that he can't run the correct routes. And I think what bothers us right now is you can see that Cousins, who doesn't know him that well, wants to trust him. Mm-hmm. And you basically basically want to tell Kirk, hey, Kirk, you can't do it. It's not going to work. And I think Kirk is going to learn that very quickly. But you don't need, to Phil's point, you don't need a great receiver. What you need is a number three like Jarius Wright, who mm-hmm. was incredibly reliable. reliable. That's what he was. He was reliable. I liked him a lot. He wasn't going to get a lot of targets, but the targets that he got, he took advantage of them. How he many caught t- everything you threw at him. How many times do you guys recall during the course of a Viking season saying, in regards to Jarius Wright, he screwed up? Very rarely. I don't. Yeah. you you With that third spot, it would be nice if, okay, Thielen and Diggs aren't the biggest dudes. They can do all, they're, they're phenomenal receivers, and you could get a, a big dude with that third wide receiver spot. I I throw all that out the window, and I just think of it in terms of the exact scenarios you were in at Lambeau Field. If it's second half and you need a drive, and the defense double teams or, or brackets Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, and it's a, it's a one-on-one matchup, and you got to beat your man and catch a pass, and that's the only target you're going to have in the second half. Can you catch the ball without having it go off your hands and then in the air and intercepted or 
whatever, right? And uh, Laquan Treadwell, the answer is clearly no right now. But there's got to be somebody on the – there's got to be, whether it's a Zilstra or a BB, some of these dudes we've seen mm-hmm. – um, that's all you need. Hey, that, I'm going to target mean, you three times. Get ready. You got to catch this one on third and eight. Think about this. Just a few years ago, they started completing passes to this kid named Adam Thielen, who we only knew because he was from Minnesota, who was undrafted, and they found a way, and he he caught everything. And all of a sudden, he turns into one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And they don't even need that right now. They just right. need somebody who, if – there's a lot of pressure on Thielen or Diggs that Cousins can hit him on a slant on a game-winning, on a game-tying drive at Lambeau Field, and it's not going to go through his hands and into the breadbasket of ha-ha Clinton Dix. And I think beyond, if internally, I think if, if you were to get the team to, to tell you the absolute truth about this, I think the drops are troublesome. I think the wrong routes are worse. Yeah. Because when you tell a guy, this is a number three receiver— so, so a mental error is not acceptable in here. his third year. Yeah, by the way. but I mean, there's mm-hmm. no, there's no mental error that he's going to make. Where you're like, oh, but you're so talented, that's fine. You're going to say, Laquan, you had one route to run, and you couldn't run that route, which can result in an incompletion, worse, an interception. So, I think internally, the biggest, the biggest strike against him is not even the tipped or dropped passes, which are troublesome, but it's the fact that he still can't run the correct route. And you in this league, how many times do you think Diggs or Thielen run the wrong route? I would say probably never. <laughs> yeah, the only the, the, there were a couple. There was one in the first half. And this is where football gets when you start to talk about the calculus of football, where Thielen ran one route and Cousins threw the ball ten yards over oh, his yeah, head, that was a, yes. and Thielen looked back like, "Oh man!" And that was clearly something. I don't know. I, I'm not going to pretend like I know all the intricacies, but I'm guessing. They get to the line of scrimmage, and they're both supposed to identify some look and just know that, okay, based on that look, we're going to do this, and because it's new for them to be doing this in the regular season. But like that's the only circumstance in which you would see. And that could happen with Laquan Treadwell, too, but I think you trust that Thielen's going to have a higher percentage on mm-hmm. running the right route. Let's uh, wrap with Royce when we come back here. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh. It's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic here on Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. The traffic update is brought to you by It's Just Lunch. Uh, 35E northbound, we have a crash slowing things down a little bit uh, between uh, 94 and University Avenue. That's due to a crash, of course, so be on the lookout for that. Slowing things down by just uh, a few minutes. 35E northbound between University and 94 over in St. Paul. All right, we always wrap with Royce here. It's uh, always, I say always. We've been doing this time slot for like a week, and I'm already using the word always, (laughs) apparently. Uh, well, you, will, you won't be shocked to know that the Timberwolves are on the edge of crisis again, as they usually are over the last 30 years, Pat. There's a meeting apparently in Los Angeles today to uh, discuss Jimmy Butler's future and the feud with Carl Anthony Towns. Your thoughts? Well, uh, Tom Thibodeau was seen in the Skyway today in Minneapolis. 
So uh, so that's more more taking, fake news. Might not be taking place in Los Angeles. It might be taking if there indeed is a meeting. It might not be taking. It's place a conference call, Angeles. maybe Pat. It's a conference call. Could be <laughs> Jimmy. Jimmy's via call. satellite. <laughs> I'm getting. Do you think Tom Thibodeau FaceTimes? If you said, "Hey, Tibbs, we need to Skype Skype you in," do you think he'd have any well, idea? He might be more technological than you guys believe. All right. But I, I, I will tell you this. I was in the car this morning about 9.15 and uh, hitting some dials, and I got the NBA Sirius uh, broadcast, and they were talking uh, for about 15 minutes. They were talking about Jimmy Butler. And then I just to check when I was back in the car about two hours later, I checked it again. They were talking about Jimmy Bell. And then at 1 o'clock this afternoon, I was back in the car, so I thought I'd check again. They were talking about Jimmy Butler. Uh-huh. And at, at one fifty-eight, they were signing off, talking about Jimmy Butler, and the discussion as to uh, whether this is a problem with the young players or the fact that Jimmy's not a leader and that he should be mentoring these guys instead of feuding with them. That was one guy's point, and the other guy's point was uh, it's up to the young guys to get with it. So I don't know, I, I don't know but it's certainly at this time of year where the week tells 10 days start the training camp, uh, we, we are dominating the moves, that's for sure. Are you a bit surprised that, that whatever the problem might be, Patrick, it didn't get resolved a while ago? It seems weird to me to be oh, a no, week out and now we're trying to Jimmy do it. Was, Jimmy was... Was you know I, I maybe nobody wanted to come to town you know or have a meeting. I mean, how do you? Jimmy is a, Jimmy's a world traveler. He's like a Giancarlo uh, Stanton and uh, Ricky Nolasco, baby. When the season's over, he's he's uh, he's doing stuff, and uh, I think that uh, I, I I don't have any idea if indeed. Uh, there was an opportunity to get Jimmy to, to uh, I don't know if there was an opportunity to get Jimmy to talk to these fellas. So. Yeah, I saw I saw Jimmy on his Instagram maybe like a month or so ago. He was like in Paris playing dominoes with his buddies, and there's like they're on this <laughs> yeah, like right. they're on this like patio, and you can see the Eiffel Tower in the background. And he's just <laughs> playing dominoes with his buddies in Paris. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. it's 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 crazy. But so how do you how do they resolve this, Pat? Because well, who knows how serious it is? I have no idea. I think, to me, the crisis here is not uh, whether he can get along with Wiggins and Towns. It is does he have any intention of? I think the discussion today is: Do you have any intention of signing here or not? Or are you going to go play with your buddy Kyrie? Not necessarily because he doesn't like Wiggins and Towns, but maybe he doesn't like Minneapolis. Who knows? But I think the discussion here is, hey, any chance you're going to sign next summer, or should we trade you in February? But, uh, you know, that's, to me, what the discussion's about. Yeah. And Not then, necessarily personality conflicts. And then if the answer is no or, yeah, I have a 50-50 at best, I almost feel like you have to shop him just to – because oh, yes. what, what are you going to – and how about this, too? But you've got to keep – but you got to make sure you keep the word – you know, behind you, you can't let the world know you want to shop him. Although the way Jimmy and his and his people are, they'll let him yeah. leak out. So yeah, so they can get the uh, least uh, possible value for him. Yeah. So I also don't. I mean, the guy he's an awesome player when he's healthy and he's and he's fun to watch. But 
he only plays about 60 or 65 games a year, too. And if the if the question is, do you want to sign him, let's say you get to next summer even, when you can offer him five years and God knows how much. What, 100, like 180 or something like that, if, is, he, if he makes another All-NBA. Well, he gets 180, Duke. Uh, watch him, McCullough. Uh, Towns gets 180 if he signs this time, right? Towns, Towns gets 150, but has a chance to get more if he reaches All Star games or something. If he, man, if he makes yeah. an All NBA team, yeah, then he'll then he can get up to 180. And I think it's the well, same. He for Jimmy. probably thinks he's not making the All NBA team if Jimmy's still here taking the shot with 25. You know, <laughs> yo-yoing with the ball with the last 25. That's the one thing I tell Jimmy if I met with him today. No matter what, you're not getting the last shot in uh, in uh, regulation. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, you, uh, you were 0 for 12 last year. You're not getting another chance. So. Did you see Patrick who's back for uh, the Twins tonight? Finally back, batting seven. Snow is back. Snow's back. Right. Yeah, it's two days turned into two weeks, but uh, what the heck, everything's normal. And uh, here's what frightens me about Miguel. I was telling somebody this today that he's this is as good a shape as he's ever going to be in. Can we agree on that? This is it. yes, yes, I agree. This is it. Low yes. 70s. That's it. He can't hit the fastball in the low 270s. So uh, what are we going to do here? I mean, what was he, like 3 for 34 or something uh, out of stretch there? So yeah. that's a little frightening, the way he's hit. He did okay, what, the first 10 days or so? But the way he's hit since he since he came back before he left again, uh, there was uh, it was as bad as it was when he was big and fat. So, I don't know. I think the drama is going to unfold here in about two weeks. Does this does the season leak into October? Let's see. The final game is on uh, September twenty eighth. Uh, I think September thirtieth, home against okay. the White Sox. And the question is going to be: Does Paul Molitor put Miguel Sano in the lineup when he's batting two oh two, or does Sano sit to preserve the Mendoza line? That's the drama. <laughs> or does does he courageously go out like Ted Williams and say bleep it? Like Ted, I think you'll be like Ted Williams. Yeah. Go out there and uh, play the last day. By the way, that last Friday, uh, you, you want to get your tickets now, baby. We got a double. We got a split double header there on that last Friday, right? Yes, that's a, the White Sox the were April cramming games up. in. The snow, yeah. the snowed out games in, in April come back to bite you right in the ass. Yeah. Well, a little splitty. But the big news is, is Hawk coming to town. That's what, I was, that's what I was just going to ask you. Is, is Hawk Harrelson going to be in town for that last series? Because I Hawk might wind it up in, at a home game, even though he doesn't go to home games. But I hope he is. Uh, but, but Pat, we, we just need one more of these at Target Field this weekend. And another blown call by Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> we need one more of those for that weekend. We haven't seen much of Angel this year. He and the Twins deserve each other. They should. Uh, he should be working more games. By the way, Cole Stewart's stuff isn't too bad. You know that. He was good he's last night. Lot. He's got. He's got a little sink on it. He's got a little power on the ball, and it's down when he's not scared. Uh, unlike Gonsalves, who just throws slop. So. Uh, it, it, Gold Stewart, I think you'd be a good reliever. I, uh, I personally, I credit the front office for uh, having him avoid the top of the lineup in the first oh, inning because you really ease ease into the second inning like yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's a really good strategy. Let's do it all. You know, I, as I said yesterday, just think how good Koufax had been if they would have pitched Bob Miller in the first inning. I saw your, I saw your tweet. You just did help yourself. If they'd only broken out Bob Miller in the top of the first, Koufax might have never given up a run. Oh, I found it here, boys. Hawk will call his final game as a broadcaster on Sunday, September the 23rd, as the team takes on the Cubs at Guaranteed Whoa. Rate Field. You were right, Patrick. He's going to do a home game, despite the fact that he quit doing yes. home games. 
BS. Oh, that's terrible. I, we wanted you back off. You and Herbie could add an arm wrestling match or something. Wasn't Herbie the one who hated him because yes. he said grab some bench? Yes, Herbeck absolutely saying. despised him. Hey, did you have Boy, you caught up? I had a good day. Boy, yeah. if I had a good day today, I tweeted out uh, somebody, a friend, uh, uh, a close relative of mine, uh, uh, Wi Fi information when I sent out a picture that happened to be there. And then, then I just hit a, a double click something on my uh, computer and I lost my whole screen. And I don't know where, I, don't, I can't even find Google anymore. So well, maybe you should tweet out Corey Roof's phone number again to make it a trifecta. <laughs> I was unaware of that story. I think that ha- that happened. Right? I did one of those messages again last week on a direct message. <laughs> Randomly said nothing like, ah, go screw yourself or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I, I still haven't. I, I use Twitter a lot, but I still haven't quite figured it out. No, I mean, <laughs> you. You, figure, you figured it out more than more than most people, I think. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes <laughs> I wish I hadn't. <laughs> hey, the, other you... day, I, the other day, I must have tweeted 60 times. I bored myself. I finally kind of kicked her back here the last uh, day or so. so. That's the most there you've you ever know. tweeted during a Vikings game on Sunday, I think. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I did start the week before, and every the first four or five were like, uh, release Treadwell. And uh, then, you know, every time somebody did something bad, that would have been a great game to just tweet uh, trolling stuff, though, the Packer-Viking game. Isn't it? Could you, you can get both sides worked up. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And, Not by the way, right. this weekend, even though it's a 17-point spread, CBS is gracing us with Tony Romo and Jim Nance, baby. Why? <laughs> That's a question for us. It's out of today's program. You know, you know who else is asking that question? Jim Nansen. <laughs> yes. Why? I hope they like Murray's or something, yeah, well, so at least they can get a good meal. Maybe much like the Vi- Vikings are going to bring in their backups for the second half, maybe CBS brings in the backup play-by-play guy and color commentator for the second half to take over. By the way, it's 16 and a half ain't enough. Yeah, we think we agree on that. Les Frazier, right defensive coordinator, Patrick, coming back to town. Oh, my good God. Old Les. Saying, gonna be a good old Les. I just heard you say what a nice man he is. And, you know, what the heck. He's, he's going to be up there at the pearly gates while you're down here bitching about uh, the missed kickers. <laughs> Got that right. And Jimmy uh, Butler and Byron Buxton. Everyone supports me, by the way, on the idea that you are being a complete phony with expressing <laughs> your sympathy on Daniel Carl. One of the few things in my life that I've been 100% supported on. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could help you out. All right, well, Pat's All back right. tomorrow. See you. Uh, that's hilarious. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. On Demand, 1500ESPN.com, Mackie and Judd also on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.